This is a Media 8 production. Education is an institution of our society, and it will always be. And the the question for me becomes, how do you best utilise that institution to get what you want? The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Human. Welcome to Awesome Humans. I'm here today in the beautiful Gold Coast of Australia in GC Hub, which is the new uh, Gold Coast hub for startups and uh, small to medium-sized businesses. Um, A great venue, currently a factory, so there may be a bit of background noise and uh, it may sound a bit tinny. But I'm here today with a gentleman that I've known now for a few years. Um, And what I've found when every time I speak to him is I learn something. And um, as you all know, I don't blow wind up anyone's ass, but at the same time, um, I'm going to read something that I've written. Well, I didn't write it. I actually stole it, but I've added bits and pieces. He's a curious, passionate, adventurous family man. He's a passionate educator and engaging speaker, and he's a champion of innovation in both startups and existing firms. He's driving the experiential entrepreneurship education through Australia's national curriculum by developing an aspirational program at Bond University. And he's using it as a catalyst for systematic change. His approach is collaborative and inclusive, sharing and learning alike through the close connection among industry, government and education sector. As the head of entrepreneurship at Bond University, he oversees the design and lots of other stuff. I've just lost my note. Here we go. So he oversees the design, delivery and assurance of learning for the entrepreneurship subjects in the Bond Business School. There's a lot of words here that are way too big for me to talk about. So outside of university, this man is heavily involved in the startup ecosystem, hence where I've met him and and dealt a fair bit with him. One of the most important things I found when I looked through this is that he played centre-half back for Queensland's 2011 national champion over 35's AFL Masters team. So he's a man after my own heart with the Sharon in his hand. He is doctor, professor. What's the... What's the preferred? Uh... Just Baden is the preferred. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say Professor Baden, you're in. You are a professor. I'm an assistant, an assistant professor. professor. Yeah, yeah. So are you a doctor? So there's, there's two qualifications. Like yeah. There's um, the the PhD gets you the t- the the right to use the title doctor, doctor uh, which I only use in certain circ- like circles. Okay. Um, typically not these circles. Understand that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then be, um, then I'm employed as an assistant professor at the university. At the university. So that, that's like um, it's like. Accounts manager or debtors clerk. Okay. It's, that's, that's, so you haven't that's got prof role. before you before your name at the university. Yeah, I can use that. You because, can because because I'm employed by them for that. But as soon as I'm no okay. longer employed, um, I don't have that anymore. But I still retain the doctor the title. Doctor. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to call you Doctor Baden Urine. Yeah. To be known as Baden. Baden. Yeah. <laughs> Baden. Mate, thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. We tried to do this last week, but uh, due to some illness in my family, we didn't get a chance to. And I would love to have come to the university to do this, but um, we've, we've ended up in the same place at the same time, which is always a good thing. Um, let's start at the very, very, very start. What's your first ever memory? My first ever, ever memory. memory. Um, I find that uh, memories actually get mixed with photographs. Okay. When you look back in early, early times. Yeah. Um, so the, the memories that I have are actually, when I was six, we went and my family did a, a, a year abroad in the United States, in mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Um, my dad was a special education teacher and he swapped jobs and houses 
uh, with another with a U.S. family. Okay. So so he took um, <coughs> excuse me he took uh, uh, Mary Drector's job, and we went and we lived in their house. Oh and, wow! And she came with her family and lived in our house. Yeah. Uh, and I have lots of memories from there. I remember I remember smell. I remember the smell of the of the little canals. We lived opposite a big corn farm. And in those little canals, like little minnows and stuff, they used to try and catch. Oh, wow. Um, and I remember the smell of that. And whenever I go back to Wisconsin, to this little town, Oshkosh, yep. like I instantly have that... Um, the memory. The memory through the smell of the place. Wow. Yeah. So six, you think, is the earliest? Or what about in Australia before you left? Yeah, I don't know. I've got um, nothing specific. Nothing specific. Okay, good. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in Melbourne, outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne, a little town called Montrose. Okay. Yeah. And you went to school there? And went to school un- there. High school there? High school university? there. University? Uh, university, RMIT in Melbourne. And what did you do there? I did economics and finance. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you've got a personality. How does that work? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I was always going to be a finance guy. So, oh, okay. Um, I found, well, through school, numbers just very, came very easily to me. Mm-hmm. So you tend to you tend to enjoy what you're good at. Yeah, very much so. Or around the other way, but they tend to work together anyway. Okay. Um, so I always thought I was going to be a currency trader. Yep. And so I... I, I targeted a degree that that was Allowed along that path. That. Yep. Um, I then spent spent a semester abroad in Boston, in Mass- Massachusetts, in the states, mm-hmm. um, and met a girl and decided I needed to stay. Uh, and <laughs> that's when I started my first business. So I was importing Australian clothing and selling it wholesale in the US when oh, I was wow. like twenty one. Yep. Um, what so was that called? It was uh, it was called Turali. Turali. It was okay. my, it was the lead brand. It was a um, really high quality merino wool. Oh wow! Yeah. And how long that last for? Four and a bit years. Four oh, years. good. Yeah. So a good solid business. Yeah. And then when did you come back to Australia? In 99. So I've been oh, on wow. the Gold Coast for almost 20 years now, 18 years. Wow. Yeah. So how long have you been a Bond? Uh, in differing roles for about a dozen years now. Initially as an industry uh, lecturer. So, okay. I, um, so I used to go and teach the Venture Capital Private Equity Club course. Mm. Uh, at the time I was working in that industry. Um, and then I taught it, I first taught it in 2004 and then they asked me to teach again in 2005 and I did and then they offered me a, a funded PhD spot in finance oh, wow. in 2006. Excellent. Um, so then I, then I did that. So you got yeah. to where you wanted to be in the end anyway? Well, I, I didn't want to be there. there. That's, oh, that's, really? That's <laughs> the funny thing and it's actually something that I think we'll, um, we'll end off on too because yeah, yeah. today um, I've got this, this view that, that circumstance actually – actually um, defines what your current purpose in life is. I agree. Like circumstantial, right? Yep. Um, And so I was like a finance guy. Like like (laughs) economics, finance, minor in quant. Yeah. I got a master's in finance. Wow. Um, My PhD is in finance. Yeah. Uh, And I I was an analyst with a private equity firm. Um, I worked for a managed investment fund and we did all kinds of interesting and deals, yep. um, mostly around structure. So I did a lot of deal structure and, okay. and that sort of stuff. And it was the technical structuring work and yep. pricing. And um, and then I kind of fell into, because we were dealing with entrepreneurial businesses, yep. but I was on the funding side of the entrepreneurial businesses. Uh, when I went through my PhD, uh, there was a job that came up in the entrepreneurship space and I was teaching in the entrepreneurship space because I was teaching the venture capital private equity course. Okay. Um, and so I kind of just fell into that. And, wow. And have gone into the softer side of business. When I, when, I don't mean uh, less important, but, yep. but uh, 
the soft skills, the social skills, the entrepreneurial method material. Yeah. One of the important skills, Yeah, some may say. So did you ever trade, well, you wanted to be a currency trader or, or yeah. when you were at school? Did you ever become one? Nope. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I wonder what the stats are of what people wanted to do in high school compared to what they yeah. actually do now. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's amazing. I look back at a lot of the guys I went to school with and a couple of weeks ago I caught up with 15 of those after um, sort of 25 years. And um, not one of them was actually doing anything that they ever thought they would do. We've got electricians, we've got undercover police officers, we've got entrepreneurs, we've got all these different people, uh, stonemasons. <laughs> and you look at this now and think, well, actually, if he always wanted to be a copper or he always wanted to be in mm. finance. He wanted, yeah, it's really weird how that actually, and I think that's circumstantial is exactly what it is. Yeah. So a mate of mine, JD, he actually uh, uh, last year or the year before went through police academy. Oh really? Because as a young as a young guy, he'd always wanted to be a copper, yep. and then he went into a trade. He became a glazier, and um, he's been running his own business for the last like twenty years. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you know what? I, I always wanted to be a copper. Um, so he did. So he did. <laughs> Sensational. Yeah. How old was he? Forty. <laughs> 40, 41. That's so awesome. he went through police academy with a bunch of like 18 and 20 yeah, yeah. year olds. <laughs> he would have went a lot better too because he, he knew a lot more about the world. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so he's actually probably a better police officer than what they're going exactly, to be. Exactly, right? Yeah. Because he's been on both sides of the law as well, obviously. <laughs> but let's not go there. Um, were you a nerd at school? Uh, total nerd. Total nerd? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, I was one of those nerds that could play sport. Yeah. Um, so that gave me some okay credits because yeah, yeah. I was sporty, so I was acceptable. So it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I still find um, – I don't believe in a lot of the way the schools are run and things these days, and I've got a, lot, a really passion about that. But, um, yeah, how how divided some of these kids – like some of these kids that are here this weekend um, and like some of the biggest nerds you've ever met and sensational. Like some of the you, – you know they would have been bullied as kids. You know that they – but now look at them. They're laughing at all the other guys because they're out here making lots of money and they're doing this sort of stuff. Mm. And I think there needs to be a way in schools to nurture those kids. And I think that more needs to be done to look after those guys that aren't the sporty nerds. That are, that are the nerds that get bullied and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's something that's very close to my heart. Mm. Not that I was bullied. I was I was very much into sport. I was never into school. But um, I was nice to everyone. And I think that's kindness wins in the end, doesn't it? That's what it all that's what, that's what matters. There you go. Okay, so greatest achievement you've ever had. Wow. Ever. Like the pinnacle of the greatest achievement you've ever had. Right. That's got you thinking. Um, kids. Kids, yep. Um well, actually, like, I don't know. I've stunned him. It's good. There is, there is, there, there is no greatest achievement. There are greatest achievements in particular uh, endeavours, right? Yeah. Um, so personally, I think, um, and and kids aren't an achievement. No, no. So that doesn't even qualify. An achievement <laughs> is how you actually. Um, make those kids or how you um, teach those kids and educate there you go. them and so maybe make them become better people. Hopefully I'll get at the other end of this yep. parenting gig. Um, <laughs> there is no other end, but at a point where you can start reflecting and I'll yep. look back and I say that's probably my biggest achievement was yeah. the way in which I parented. Yeah, definitely. And while, while you're in the middle of it, you don't really have no time idea. to look, right? <laughs> so hopefully that'll be the case. Okay. Um, so the the winning um, in the AFL Masters Oh, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That, that that was pretty awesome. So so Queensland had never won. This oh, is the really? supers. So this is like yeah. the the, the like we're playing against players that were ex AFL and yeah. um and Queensland have never won that 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 uh, that championship. Yep. Always Vic Metro or New South Wonderful. Wales or yeah. Tassie actually have a pretty good team. Um, and we had a really good crew and um 
it was up held up at the sunny coast so we had home field advantage yeah uh and went through and we had a really tight one against big metro got through by about six points oh nice and we needed to beat tazzy in our final game yep um and i was on this um and here's why it's, it's big because i was on yeah. i was on this center half forward because i played center half back yep um and he was remember wayne carey yeah he, he was basically Wayne Carey. Like, he was just, he was built and he was. A man mountain. Oh, he's unbelievable. Um, but back in those days, I was like a triathlete. So I was, okay. I was. You were fit. lean. I was fit and yeah. run and run and run and run and run, right? Um, and that's where I had a big advantage. And I'm, and I'm naturally athletic. Yeah. Um, and I just smashed him. Like, oh, really? And it, like, so I look back on that in that, that game. Yeah. And I know that the role that I played in that team was really pivotal to us securing that yep so yeah that so was that the best game of afl you've ever played uh, probably it's the most memorable obviously. oh actually no it's not not the best the best one i played against and it, i i played for cooley yep. cool and get a blues and our big rival was palm beach the mm -hmm. lions um and there was this one game where the palm beach boys brought in kevin campion and brought in the big boys yeah a cu couple of uh, rugby players and they played hard our games were really really hard against palmy um and on and and I was playing center half back and they pushed me into the ruck. And nice. yeah. Always gonna love that. Hey, <laughs> um, you're in. <laughs> I'm into the ruck. And I just um I remember just a couple of really awesome plays where yeah. I just big clearances and that kind of us back backmen, we don't get the glory of the goals. So right? I was a rover, so I was all right. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh, yeah, I, I remember that game. Probably that was the best game that I ever played. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So you still playing now? No. Uh it's so funny, I got a call last year saying, Do you want to play Super Rolls? Like play with the old boys. And it was over 35. So I'm 44. Yeah. So give me a ring next year and I'll play in the over 45. So I'm the same. I'm 44. <laughs> and um, and the Cooley boys are, are waiting for me to turn 45 yep. so I can go back. And yeah. I'm going to have to deal with that. Yes. Because um, <laughs> it's it going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they play every second week. <laughs> yeah, every play second every week. week. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you're meant to have this thing, you know, um, play on Sunday. But remember, you've got to be work, at work on Monday. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that'll be okay in the 45s. Um, we hope when forward, I was in the 35 pocket, back pocket, something like that might might work. <laughs> if, if anything, the 35s is a harder game than the seniors. Oh, I would say yeah. so. Yeah, for mm. sure. And and they they sort of want to win a bit more too. Mm. So the pride's still there. Whereas hopefully the over 45s, they're sort of just having a good run, yeah, bit hopefully. of a laugh. And so stuff maybe like that. maybe that's in my future. Who knows? So you're in the startup ecosystem um, here on the Gold Coast. And um, what's the best startup you've ever seen? Not here on the Gold Coast, but anywhere. Or seen, heard of, or, or do you think is the pinnacle? And I'll give you an example. So I, I chatted to um, uh, a good mate of both of ours, actually, Aaron Berkby, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I mentioned to him that one of the best I've seen in the last few years is a company called Lotto Land. And Lotto Land has taken uh, Lotto to new heights because they allow you now in Australia to go in the American Lotto and go on this. But what they did was genius is they just got an insurance policy out against someone winning the Lotto. So all they're doing is selling... No, they're selling numbers, as they do, against an insurance policy. And they've obviously done the figures and done the stats. And being a stats man, you'll understand this. is like some $160 million to one for someone to win a million dollars. So the cost of the insurance policy is nothing like actually forking out the million dollars. Mm -hmm. So they've actually come out and they've done a mass amount of marketing. They're making a million dollars a day at the moment, which is insane money. Um, and I just think it was someone that's done something really, really clever of something that's really easy to change the way that things work. And whether it's gambling or not, that's that's 
people's good or bad or ugly, that doesn't matter. It's just the way that they've taken this idea, encapsulated it and disrupted something that's been there for a long time. Mm, yep. That's what I liked about it. So what, have you got any that you... So one that just comes to mind, I'm not sure where it's the greatest one I know of, but mm. there's a company in the US called Amada Health. Okay. Um, and essentially what they're doing is they're uh, tackling people that are at, um, at risk of contracting type 2 diabetes Okay. Uh, through eating or... Um, exercise yep. behavior type risks uh, and the US system is a bit different um, because insurance health insurance is a, a function of your employer yeah right and then there are these insurance so anyway but what they've got is they've got a um, an awesome little uh, digital um, solution mm -hmm. that has a, a an immediately connected Wi-Fi enabled set of scales that are delivered to you um, that you just step on every day and then uh, a platform that you're connected into a, a community of people that are at a similar stage of risk as you oh, okay. with dedicated health coaches wow. and they have all this material and resources on uh, eating and what's good for you and what's not and um, and different methods and techniques to change behaviors yep. and change beliefs behind behaviors. Wow. Uh, and they're doing so well. Um, and what I really like about that is they're using tech um, and analog stuff yeah, yeah. Um, to attack a problem that's a significant problem. Because that then um, joins people of all ages as well, because it's across the board diabetes. Doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and, um, and, achieving a purpose like, yeah, like sure. a, a, an admirable purpose um, but their revenue model is really cool um, and this is where this is where startups can take um, positions yep. and and what they believe in so their revenue model is they they charge the health fund or the, the insurance lawyer oh okay yeah right which is the insurance company um, for the benefit of the users because it reduces claims clever Right, um, and so the end user doesn't pay anything because yeah. that's that's a barrier for any point of view to change. You have to pay for it. I'm going yeah. to do it, right? And it's just provided to you. You're in this. You're in this fund, right? And you've been identified as someone that can benefit from this program. Here it is. Off you go. You know, that's you're part great of it. Model. Um, and their model comes off that, and they and they get paid based on pounds lost. Oh wow! So they're so actually... they've put their revenue model at at risk. Uh, yeah, people... based upon the performance of their solution. That's very clever. Right? Um, so it's a no-brainer for the health fund. Yeah. And so um, that's confidence. So like what's that called? It's called Amada, O-M-A-D-A, Amada Health. Okay. Based out of San Francisco. And um, do you know are they going to launch anywhere else in the world? Because that would work everywhere, you it, would expect. It would. That model would work That anywhere. model would work everywhere. It's about the revenue model and the way in which it's delivered. The channels mm. is particular to the U.S. at the moment okay. um, because of their circumstances. But... Um, and the really cool thing about this is it was started by a group of people that met at university mm -hmm. at, at, um, and they were doing some work at IDEO. They, they were Stanford grads yep. and they were, um, they were doing work at, at IDEO um, and it was a little pro side project they had on the go um, that they then decided to spin out and then commercialise. So oh, wow. um, coming back to what it is that where my kind of passions lie yeah. and um, you mentioned it at the intro. Actually, that, that's my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, I know it is. That's where I, that's where I style it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've got a bit of an experiment going at the moment because my, my current LinkedIn per profile explainer is kind of like a personal how, how do you do kind yeah. of statement. It used to be very corporate. They news this and yeah, yeah, this yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and I think I like this one better. Yeah, I'm much better. It tells a story. Tell the story. And you know, whole thing's about you, get a, you get an in, insight as to what it is that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's a lot of 
people that are questioning like um, universities' role in startup land, yes, right, and they spend all this money on research, and you know it should all just be, uh, and yeah, there's a there's a, a point of view out there that universities just should just stay out of the way, yeah, uh, and I think it's completely ignorant. Um, Without doubt, the same as schools are saying. Everyone needs to get involved in this stuff. Education is an institution yes. of our society mm-hmm. and it will always be. Yeah. And the the question for me becomes how do you best utilise that institution mm. um, to get what you want, right? Yes. Because it will be there. And the example, it became abundantly clear. And here's why you should go and travel, um, why you should have your <laughs> eyes open and be yeah. curious and go and travel. I was going through the backlands of Sri Lanka and through these little towns um, and everywhere I went there were these little kids and they were in clean clothes and they looked bright and happy and healthy. Um, these little kids, right? Yeah. Everywhere in, in white uniforms and going off to school and they just looked healthy, like happy and healthy and yeah. well-fed. And it's because the Sri Lankan government provides at primary school level just mm. everything for everybody to go to school, right? When you go to school, there's food, yeah, right? So you're fed properly. Mm. Um, they provide the uniforms, like that's that's how that's how the institution of education can be used for a societal benefit. And so my argument is, um, entrepreneurship education needs to be in our national curriculum. Agree. Um, you talk about an innovation agenda um, and trying, you know, one point one billion dollars to drive innovation in Australia. Uh, and how much of that's going to education? Though? I should know the answer to that. It's, it's small though. I imagine. Yeah. Um, so. You- in order for commerce to happen, you need um, entrepreneurially gifted individuals. Yes, you do. Uh, and this was a realization that just came here recently. Um, like my world, finance. Um, like when I was doing m- my PhD, we were doing matrix algebra proofs of statistical and an- analytical tools. Lost me there, like, but yep, I'm I can, with you. <laughs> I can actually do the proofs, the mathematical proofs sitting behind statistical methods. Wow. Or at least I used to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I'll test you on that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that happens is because in primary school I did my twelve times tables and my eight times tables, yeah. right? Um, where we're primed from primary school to learn the basics of mathematics mm-hmm. and how they work. And then we get into high school and we do geometry and trigonometry and calculus and yep. you might go through university and you start learning about derivatives and um, differentials and all this sort of stuff. And then it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until you get someone like me who chooses to go all the way down that path that becomes extremely technically capable. Mm -hmm. Um, How are entrepreneurs educated today? They are, but not institutionally. No, exactly, yeah. They have parents that are or they have aspirational individuals they see that are or... um, no doubt there's natural ability in the entrepreneurial world. Some people are naturally a little bit more entrepreneurial, yep. um, just like some people are naturally better golfers. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but there's no, um, there's no structural uh, institutional method to build entrepreneurial capability in our, in our workforce, in our human capital. Can you learn to be an entrepreneur? You can. Okay. Without question. Yeah. And p- different people to different levels. Yeah, of course. But without question, you can build the entrepreneurial capability. How people. old can you start that learning? Day one? Early, early, yeah. early. No, I agree. My, um, I, we, I don't know if you've heard of Kumon. 
I have heard of Kumon. Okay, so my kids do, did Kumon. Yes. So my, uh, when, when my boy, when he was six years old, knew all his time tables. Yep. Up, up to 12s. And he goes to school now and, um, and he'll do his times tables in literally seconds. Yes. And the teacher sits there and goes, I can't teach him any more stuff. Yes, you can. You can teach him what he's going to just keep pushing, keep, keep pushing. So that is a really amazing way they learn. And that, that's a, I think it's Japanese or Korean kumonis, um, a way that they actually teach the kids to do certain things in certain mm-hmm. patterns, which means you can actually teach anyone anything by doing the same thing. Um, there's there's a, um, a theory there's that uh, I think it's 3,000 hours. If you do something for 3,000 hours, 10,000 hours. Is 10, that, is it? Yeah. Yep, you become an yep. expert in it. Yep. Yep. And so if you hit golf balls for 10,000 hours, you become an expert yep. in golf balls. So it means that anyone can teach. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, not teach, be anyone taught. Can learn. Yeah, anyone be taught. Can learn. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things we're working on at the moment, which, which may be of interest in, in that space, is that we want to put an entrepreneur in every school in the world. So what we want to do is we want to have an entrepreneur in residence in every school, primary school, high school, well, the university mostly most of having them now, I would expect. But we want to actually do that. And we want to fund that so the school doesn't have to fund it, etc. Because I believe um, exactly what you're saying is that these kids can be taught. And at the same time as if they're learning something in the back of the room, that algebra-y thing you mentioned a minute ago is like, well, how do I use that in the real world? You can tell them. Mm-hmm. They can actually show them and, and realise of, yes, this is good, what you're learning. And then some of the stuff they do learn is crap. Like they're never going to use it but then other is good. So I think there's there's a way and there's a meaning and there's a method for actually that to be implemented in our education system. Mm-hmm. Are we ever going to see it in our lifetime? Without question. Excellent. That's great. It's, it's already happening. It is? Across <laughs> yeah, the board? Yeah. No. Okay. But as with all revolutions, they start with um, with early adopters, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Yeah, it does. Um, and there's plenty of programs out there that are starting to – implement and progressive schools that are seeing that it's absolutely needed and you all you have to do is look at the the future of work and what skills are needed for this new way of commerce that Mm -hmm. occurs and all the types of skills that are coming to the fore like emotional intelligence and digital literacy and design methodology um that they come out of the entrepreneurship space without spat yeah without doubt um and and so progressive schools are noting um, perhaps that the, their current offering is not delivering on the types of future work skills that are required and they're looking for ways in which to, to alter, make, to, to, to achieve. Um, and good quality, um, academically grounded, uh, practically relevant entrepreneurship programs can fill that, can fill that space. That's not great. perfectly, yeah, but, but uh, it's definitely a very it's definitely moving in the right direction, yep. isn't it? And it's the best of what we've got right now, no yeah. question. Yeah, oh, that, that's awesome. Um, person or people who have most influenced your career or you personally? Like who, who do you – like to me it's, it's guys like Richard Branson, Gary Vee, and also my dad um, who made a massive difference in my life uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but is there someone or some people that you follow, listen to or whatever that actually helps guide you through this rocky little road of life we have? Uh, like right now? I don't know about right now. Um, so I've got some people – and actually, I just thought about this recently. Um, so my dad, no question. Mm. Um, and for and for personality reasons, okay, he, he's just one of those men that, um, one of those people, not yeah. just a man. He's a he's a person that people just like naturally gravitate towards. Oh, excellent. And I think it's because um, at his heart, you know that he's interested in you. Yeah. And it, and it just spreads to everybody. Like it just that's where that's the way he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's um, really uh, 
hit home with me as an aspirational way that I'd like to be. Yep. Um, so him. Um, growing up, my Uncle Bruce um, was this um, amazing finance guy. No wonder, okay. One of the reasons I went into finance because Uncle, Uncle Bruce. Bruce. Yep. Um, and again, uh, big-hearted man, um, died far too early. Yeah. Uh, and But um, he... It, um, he went to Scotch College down in Melbourne. Um, he's my mum's brother, and I think all the boys went to Scotch, and all the girls went to MLC. Okay. Um, they grew up in Shepparton, but they went to boarding school and stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, I think he was he was given the choice at end, at the end of year ten that it was probably in his best interest to to to, to exit out of school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of those kind of guys. Um, but you know, um, could sell anything to anybody. Yeah. Um, a true hustler. In the good, in the good way. In the good way, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, could just put a deal together. Could convince, could convince people to do that. This was the right way, yep. and uh, really entrepreneurial. And built Australia at the time, Australia's largest non-banking finance, like, more, like, um, like loan brokerage firm. Oh wow! Um, you know, um, yeah, amazing man. Yeah. Uh, so him, um, uh, interesting. You me- you mentioned Aaron Birkby. He is like a a, yep. a modern uh, aspirational person of mine. Yeah. Okay. yeah? He's, again, and there's these common themes that are coming through. Like you talk about someone who has other people's interests at heart. Yes. That's what Aaron's all about. Oh, biggest right? heart in the world. Yep. Um, so him. Uh, and then I had a, a boss at university, Justin Craig. Mm-hmm. Same thing. He, like he just made me feel like I was the most important thing in the world yeah. and that I could do anything and support and grow. Uh, so Justin, there's a few. There's a few. No, yeah. that's that's awesome. That's awesome. What's next? Yeah, I don't know. No, no. I'm in a crossroads in life. You are. Naka. Actually, I'll tell you what. When I saw it last time I saw you, you were pitching in front of royalty. Yeah, how about that, huh? <laughs> that was amazing. Like pitch at the palace. And uh we, we spoke about that on one of our other podcasts. Um I was telling the boys where I'd been and they're sitting there going, Why? <laughs> where have you been? I was saying it was just bizarre. Like yeah. We had royalty in the room, and 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 you're pitching to him, and and then you went to Sydney. How'd you go with that? Really well. Yeah. yeah. Next phase, or where did that go? So I got down to the national finals. wasn't selected to go to to England to mm-hmm. represent Australia at the at at, at the uh, palace at the palace. <laughs> yeah. Um, but not because the business wasn't worth it. It's because I think they were after a particular a particular outcome, and yeah. ours was ours was fairly commercial, and and. The, the three that went forward all had a real social bent to them, okay. yeah, uh, which sense. is wonderful. Yeah, um, So I'm, I'm looking at um, – the reason I went into Pitcher Palace is because us as educators mm-hmm. um, often become distanced from the practice yeah. that can happen. Uh, and I just saw that as an opportunity for me to get back in and just get back on the tools again. Yeah, fair um, enough. So when I went down to Sydney, I did it as I did it as though I was a startup person. Yeah. Um, so I took a flight down – train into circular Key. oh really you went the whole hog um i walked from circular key station to the local yha hostel and i stayed in the hostel paid 45 <laughs> bucks a night to be in the hostel yeah um so i did it on the cheap and i i kind of went as though i was one of my students who yes. just got through and this is how that would happen um just to feel it again and be, yeah. just be part in of that and did you enjoy it yeah loved it yeah. got the buzz back oh yeah it's um <laughs> it's there's something about um like the, the the business is a really awesome business, mm. and it actually, and here's another pitch for why universities are so relevant. That business came out of uh, two of my students in my MBA class and myself coming together and solving a problem. Oh wow! Um, and uh, it's called Block Grain. It's yep. now it's digitising and 
and increasing the efficiency of the grain logistics and management process. Uh, and um, it's operational now. It's it's, it's yeah. So we've been invading. Yeah, it is, Excellent. but only at a small level. But come That's January, fun. that changes. Awesome. Um, so we've got four brokers and 80 growers who are who are implementing our full commercial platform in mm -hmm. January. Um, so then we go if that and if that works. Yep. Uh, another one of my former students has come on as our CTO, and since he's oh, been wow. on board, it's just gone gangbusters. Yeah. Um, and um, if that works, then we're ready to scale. Um, so you got yeah. a really good like alumni at Bond, haven't you? And, and it seems yeah. like uh, it, when like, I go to a lot of the the things at Bond, and it seems like there's a lot of ex Bond people there, and I think they that's something they do really well is uh, is that alumni and and do they have any issues or they actually I suppose they encourage you guys working together and and be, uh, building business and uh, moving things forward. I assume so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any issues because you're an educator and you're a, you're a, you're an assistant professor and stuff that actually 